that's what the Lord's Supper is given to us. So it says, a heartfelt desire to serve him according to his word. And that heartfelt desire, brothers and sisters, we probably all have. At least I hope so. We have the desire to serve him, to crucify our old nature, forsaking the world. The desire is there, but it's not an easy task. And the Lord knew that. And that's why he gave us the Lord's Supper to have our faith strengthened. We brothers and sisters living in the 21st century increasingly experience that the society we live in rejects the gospel. That the gospel that we are called to proclaim to our neighbors. That it also rejects and opposes the life we are called to live and it loads the morals we desire to keep high, denounces the way we raise our children even. And adding to this is the sinfulness of this world, the brokenness of the world, the increasing violence, the threat of war, calamities everywhere, the hopeless selfishness of the people. And then there is also, of course, personal sufferings of sickness, pain, disappointments, loneliness, depression, grief, and all those things, they don't bypass us, the Lord's people. Then there is our own sin and sinfulness, the constant battle we have with all sorts of temptations. And looking at all this together, it becomes obvious that being a servant of our Lord Jesus Christ, to serve him wholeheartedly, as blessed as it might be, it is not easy. Our faith often wavers, needs strengthening, and we so easily grow weary. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. Once the Lord has sent his 12 disciples on a journey throughout the towns of Israel to preach the gospel of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And when after some time they returned, they were tired. And then the Lord knew that, and he said to them, Come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. And when we this morning, as so many times before, may come to the Lord's table, we may do so with this loving invitation that the Lord gave to his disciples in mind. Come away by yourself to this quiet place and rest a while. The Lord loves us. He cares for us. He loves he rules the whole world, but we are special to him. And so when in a few moments, brothers and sisters in our Lord, but also brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior, we are gathered around his table and enjoy our rest while being refreshed and strengthened by the food and drink we receive from him, then we must also reflect upon how truly privileged and blessed we are. We just listed a whole bunch of things that's going on in, our, in, in the world around us that may get us down. But there is the other side. 
And that is how truly privileged and blessed we are. And we reflect upon our privileged positions with the words of our text. John 3, verse 1 to 3. Let's read it again. It says, see what kind of love the Father has given us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that they did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who does hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are brothers and sisters. This is, without any doubt, one of the most encouraging passages you can find in the Bible. And with it, the Apostle John, inspired by God the Holy Spirit, turns our focus from where we are in an angry and godless world to what we are. And where we are going. We should be. We should be named by everyone in the world. With this great and majestic title. The children of God. Because that is what we are. Just think about that for a moment. We should be called. Because we are the children of him. Who is so magnificently majestic and holy that the Bible says he dwells in an inapproachable light. We are the children of him who is infinite. The heavens of heaven cannot contain it. He is just too glorious, too powerful. We are the children of him who is all-wise, all-powerful, all-knowing, perfectly just, infinitely loving. We are the children of him who is the king of kings, who rules the whole universe by the power of his will. And everyone should call us the children of God. What a privilege. Now why is it that this almighty God and Father gives such great honor to us? Well, the text says that it is because of his great love for us, brothers and sisters. And that is a love that not only our father feels himself, but it's a love that he gives. He pours his love all over us. From a world where there are so many people better looking than us, more intelligent than us, better skilled than us, the Lord chose us to be his children. Why? Because he loved us with an eternal love. From eternity, he chose us. And Esther and Brooke, from eternity, just think about that. Way before the world was created, he loved you already. He knew you. He loved you. He chose you to be called the children of God. And he guided you through your life so that this morning you could profess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that you may share in that wonderful love. Brothers and sisters, he always loved us. Before we were born, he loved us. 
While we still live here, he loves us. And throughout eternity to come, he will love us. Now and always. And he shows that love to us in countless ways, but especially in that we should be called the children of God. And we might as well put the emphasis on we now. That we should be called the children of God. We who every day need to confess that we have grievously sinned against all God's commandments and we never kept any of them, that we still incline to all evil. We should be called the children of God. What a marvelous wonder. What a wonderful glory. And how is it possible that we should be called the children of God? For the answer to this question, we need to go back to the very first words of our text. Our text actually begins with the word see or behold, and it means watch, pay attention to this. Something very special is following. And then it continues with what kind of love the Father has given us. But in the original Greek, the, the word translated with the phrase what kind, what kind of love, has more literal the meaning of from what country is that love. You see, the love the Father gives us is so wonderfully unknown to us that we may, can also translate it, how out of this world is the love the Father gives us? We should be called the children of God because of this out of this world great love, a love that the world does not know and cannot know. It is a love that gives his only begotten son. It is a love that gives his life's blood on the cross. Because of that love, we should be called the children of God. And we should be. God himself said so in in John 1 verse 12, where he says, With as many as received him, the Lord Jesus Christ, to them he gave the right, the right, the right to become the children of God. The Apostle Paul surely believed that he said, The Spirit himself testifies in our spirit that we are the children of God. Brothers and sisters, is that how you walk in this world? As depressing and as scary as it may, it may be. As the children of God. As the children of him who owns it and rules it all. We, we, we know our own heart. This, this past week... We have examined ourselves. We knew the Lord's Supper would come up. And now we, we, we know it again, that we are aware of our many sins and shortcomings, and we do not have perfect faith, and we do not serve God with such zeal as he requires. With our catechism, we have confessed that we grievously sinned against all God's commandments. And nevertheless, here is this morning that wonderful, wonderful word coming to you from God's infinitely loving Father heart. You should be called the children of God. That's what you are. The bread and the wine. And our Savior's table witnesses that same lovely truth. 
We are one with him who is the eternal and only begotten Son of God. And therefore, his Father is our Father. His inheritance is our inheritance. His heaven is our home. And we may sit at his table. What an out-of-this-world great love is this indeed. Now our text continues. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Now, first of all, here in our text, the word world means everyone who does not know God. And not only those who are blatantly ungodly, but everyone who does not know God everywhere. There could be even some of those who do not know God sitting in churches. Beloved in the Lord, the reason the world does not know you as God's children is that it did not know him. And since they don't know him, they cannot recognize you, know you, if you reflect him in the way you live. They don't recognize it. They think you're strange. So do not be surprised if the world does not recognize your exalted position as children of God. Do not be disheartened by the fact that they sound that they count you and your beliefs, if not intolerant and bigoted or politically incorrect, silly at best. Do not be shocked when the world counts your faith as a threat against peace and tolerance and considers you as an enemy in the fight against all the perceived wrongs in a society. They do not know God. So they cannot recognize you as God's children. So do not be surprised that although you're the children of the Almighty God, you become more and more unpopular. You see, the Lord's greatest saints are not found in the world's halls of fame. In the Hollywood Walk of Fame, there are no stars with the names of martyrs on it. The names of the great preachers of Christ's church are not to be found carved in the pavement there. The world does not know you, but God does. And in Philippians 2 verse 15, we read that you shine among those in the world as stars, not in the pavement, but in the universe. The world does not know you as children of God's most high do not recognize you as utmost royalty. Why not? Because, like I said, they don't know God as their father. But still, we all admit that we are very sensitive for the recognition and the appreciation of the world. And because of this, it is so easy to make the mistake that we begin to look at ourselves as if we are the oddballs in the world. And, and, and we, when we start to think that, then we wish to blend in as much as we can. We lay low. We become almost apologetic about the biblical views and morals and all the issues and on which the world challenges us. We must not be this way. We don't need to be this way at all. Yes, it is true. We are in it, but we are not of this world. And we are not the oddballs. We are the children of God. 
That's why verse 2 of our text is so reassuring. Beloved, now you're the children of God. Right now in this world, we're all opposition. You are the children of God. Don't act like that you're a not ball. Don't be apologetic for what you believe is right because the, the Bible has taught you so. Not ever. You're the children of God. Never mind that the world doesn't know you are such. Just mind, just focus. Focus on this out of this world great love the Father gives you. Because of this infinitely great love, you have such a great future. How great, how glorious, we don't know. That's why our text says, what will be has not yet been appeared, has not been yet, has not yet been seen. It's just too glorious for us to grasp it now. It's much too glorious to make movies about it. But we do know that when our Lord Jesus Christ appears, we shall be like him. We shall possess perfect blessedness, such as I know I have seen, nor, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man is conceived. Blessedness in which to praise God forever, says O'Callaghan. And still, it is not yet revealed what it will be. But it will be more than we can think of ima or imagine. And that all because of this out of this world great love that God gives to us. And so our text concludes. Everyone who has that hope. And hope on such a future because of such great love. He purifies himself just as he, our Savior, is pure. And this is true. Be the beloved of the Father, we purify ourselves. We purify ourselves every time we find ourselves at Jesus' feet with our sins. We purify ourselves as we fight the good fight against sin in our lives. We purify ourselves as we with uplifted head walk in this world and expect our Lord and Savior to appear any moment now. We purify ourselves as we pray for a world that hates us. For we always remember that it is by grace only that we live. Purify ourselves as we openly revel in the love the Father pours out upon us. We purify ourselves when we show the generosity of those whose Father is God. And we purify ourselves as we shine forth His light and spread His message of repentance and forgiveness in a world that's just enshrouded in the darkness of sin. Now, how is it that? With doing all those things, we, we purify, we, we cleanse ourselves. How is it possible? Because all those things are the fruits of true faith, of a faith that justifies. They are the fruits of a faith that turns to Jesus Christ to have all our sins and shortcomings washed away in his blood. And so we walk in a world that doesn't know us, for who we are and we continue on our journey and we turn the other cheek and we leave the cloak as well as the tunic and we go the extra mile and we forgive those who are indebted to us and we pray for our enemies and we do well to those who hate us yes it is hard 
But that's what we do as the children of God. It's hard. We often stumble, for we know it, our spirit is willing, our flesh is weak. And that journey can make us weary, can make us so intensely tired that the very heart yearns, oh Lord, how long? But the Lord and Savior knows. And he be, because he became in all things like us and he invites us to his table with a verse, come away by yourself. Rest a while. How good is he? Beloved, now we are the children of God. And in, wonder, and in, in wonderment we, are, we exclaim, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called to the children of God. Amen.